Pool Deck. Join me and my group of swimmers as we work hard every day to get better. The pool is the school, but the lessons are for life. My name is Duncan Todd, and you are on deck with Dunk. Thanks so much for joining me on my first ever podcast. I've had 25 years of coaching swimming, and before that, I was a competitive swimmer myself. And I understand that success is a mind game. I invite you to be a fly on the wall as I coach my group, constantly searching for ways I can help my swimmers achieve their goals. We talk about all sorts of stuff, including what it takes to affect meaningful change, if it's possible, and if so, how we can hack our habits, and if we can rewire unhelpful self-beliefs. We talk about old school values, and we explore mind games and thought experiments of our own to help build confidence, resilience, and enthusiasm in the face of all those challenges and setbacks that life throws our way. In short, our aim is to smash any glass ceiling created by limiting beliefs. And while I do this in the context of competitive swimming, the ideas and the issues that we discuss have application in all fields of human endeavor. As it's your first time on deck with me here, I'm going to take a moment just to set the scene. We're in sunny, laid-back Cairns, far north Queensland, Australia. We're nestled between the rainforest and the Great Barrier Reef, and I coach at a stunning outdoor Olympic pool. Take a seat in my grandstand and listen in as I put my athletes through their paces. The more I think about it, the more it becomes obvious to me. Your life is a reflection of your mind. Jordan, you want to go to states, you're going to have to change your mind, right? Don't settle. What is that? So we've just talked about your best time, 50 freestyle is a 32, right? And I'm saying it should be much faster than a 32. Why am I saying that? Because my mind is different from yours. You accept 32, that's okay because that fits with your vision of yourself as a swimmer, right? But it's rubbish. You can swim a 29. All you gotta do is start thinking, you know what, I'm not a 32, I'm a 29. How else is it possible that I can say to you, all right, Jordy, you're gonna go a 32 right now from a push in the middle of a set, and then you can do it, right? Stop listening to your own mind and start listening to my mind. So what was going on here? We were grinding our way through a pretty tough main set and I was double checking times and young Geordie, uh, 32 PB for a 50 freestyle, was swimming some pretty average stuff, um, a little bit thoughtless, a little bit aimless and um, I challenged her and I said, Jordan, 
You can swim a 32 right now. I don't care that a 32 is your best time when you're stepping up on the blocks, you got the whole lane to yourself, perfect conditions, and you, you swam a 32 and that's it. You're going to do it right now. There's six other people in your lane. You're halfway through a set. You're tired. You're puffing. Your heart rate's up. I don't care. You can do it. Lo and behold, she did it. She goes a 32-6 in the middle of the set. And um, it fired me up. And that's why we had the talk. As is always the case with me coaching and having these talks during the session, they're totally impromptu, totally off the cuff. And uh, here you'll hear me just get so passionate about the idea that the way the swimmers see themselves has such a massive influence on their results. Let's get back to it. Right? You get what you expect. You, that's what happens in life. Tell me the last time something happened to you in your life that really, honestly, totally surprised you. It doesn't happen, does it? I mean, really. I think the last time I was surprised is when a whole bunch of airplanes went flying into a building in New York. That was surprising and shocking and terrible. But really, otherwise, in your life, come on, tell me. Because it's an interesting thing. Things might happen that are a little bit unusual, but actually, it's all things that you think, oh, you know what, they could happen. Of course they are, because your, your life and your experience is your mind. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me. You cannot prove it. Prove me wrong. So if you can't prove me wrong, why don't we use a thought experiment? Why don't we just go, okay, you know what? Let's humor Duncan. Let's, let's just go along with his insanity, his craziness. Because what have you got to lose? Is it as simple as just going, hey, I can swim a 51, 100 freestyle. No, of course it's not simple like that. Because if you say that, you honestly don't believe it, do you? You can't pick numbers out of the sky that you don't believe because you won't hit them. Because you're fooling yourself. Right? But this is where sometimes you don't know what you're able to do. But I've been coaching for 25 years. Right? And before that, I was swimming. I've been in swimming my whole life. I know what people can do. Jordan, you can swim a 29.750 freestyle. You can. I give you permission. Stop seeing yourself as a 32 because that's what you get. So here I'm just railing against the idea or the reality that our swimmers are, have a view of themselves at a certain level, whether it's good or bad, and they accept that level. Uh, and they're quite happy to stay at that level and how that can be a limiting factor. And I touch on the fact that, you know, we're dealing with age group kids here, and, you know, many of them are ignorant in terms of what's possible. Uh, they, they don't really know how good they could be. So let's just jump back in. Your beliefs are a ceiling on you. Or they can be a launch pad underneath you. Ask Ike. What do you want? A limiting belief or a launching belief? 
right? Hey, I was a little bit like you as a kid, swimmer. 17 years old, I was swimming, okay. I was a big fish in a little pond because I grew up in Hong Kong. It's not like swimming in Australia where you gotta be bloody good just to make a team. In Hong Kong, you had to be, okay, pretty good, you could make a team. I was pretty good. And I went to a swim meet and I did some stuff. And you know what, I wasn't really focused. And then my coach, he wrote me a little card. Just a little card after one of the swim meets. And he said, Duncan, great job. Think winning 2000. And I was like, what? Think winning 2000? And then I started to think, hang on a second, this guy thinks that I can really do something. Hey, and the next time we're at a swim meet where my coach is, Bill Sweetenham, I'm gonna introduce you to him. He's a tough boy from Mount Isa. Tough. And here he is saying, hey, Dunk, think winning, 2000. And here I am, some spoiled kid from Hong Kong who doesn't know what he's doing. Right? Whose belief is better there? His or mine at that time? His belief, right? The reason I'm telling you this is because I will not lie to you. I will not lie to you. If I don't think you can swim a 29.7, I'm not gonna tell you you can do it. That's one thing, one thing you can count on with me. One thing. Your teachers might tell you that you're doing a great job when you're not because they don't wanna deal with your parents at a teacher-parent interview. Right? For example, maybe, maybe not. But here, right now, in the pool, okay? You're all doing this, it's not compulsory, it's optional. Right? And you've all told me that you want to swim competitively. Well, I'm telling you what you need to do, and I'm telling you what you can do. Right? I will never lie to you. I will never say, hey! Man, you're destined to go to the Olympics. No, I will never say that. But I will tell you, hey, you should be swimming at nationals, Joel. Because I believe it. As an example, okay? So if your belief is limiting you as a ceiling, why don't you leave that belief behind and why don't you just leverage off my belief? Ask me, hey coach, what do you think I can do? What do you think? Honestly, tell me the truth and I will tell you. And you might find that that's like a launch pad for you. So then you can use that. I give you permission. Your mind gives you your reality. Your mind gives you your experience. Your mind gives you your results. Combined with your training, of course, combined. Right? So here's just a flat out appeal to the kids saying, hey, why don't you try and set aside your doubts, set aside those limiting beliefs, set aside that acceptance of mediocrity or where you are now. Come and talk to me and see what I think you can do and maybe leverage off that different idea. I remember as a swimmer myself what a difference it made to me when I realized actually just how good my coach thought that I could be. I respected him, I respected his knowledge, 
And um, it helped build confidence in me knowing that someone like him, um, a famous coach, uh, could actually think that uh, I might make a worthwhile swimmer. So as you can tell, I'm in full flow right now on deck. So let's head back and uh, see where it takes us. I get so fired up about this because it's the most important message I can give you. It's more important than fingertips down. Count your strokes. Hold your underwater work. It's more important than that rubbish. Isn't it? Bloody Ian Thorpe comes in the door as a 14-year-old, right? And he just swims. And he rewrites the coaching books. He doesn't need to be told, oh, underwater work, oh, let's go a three-quarter catch-up, oh, let's work that kick. No, he just does it naturally. And then all these coaches go, oh, you know what, that's how we're going to teach it now. Right? The difference was, in here, in here. Man, no ceilings, no ceilings there, right? You all know the feeling when you walk into a room with a really low ceiling? Yeah, you know that feeling? You feel automatically kind of, oh, hemmed in a bit. And how good it feels when you walk into a building with a nice high ceilings or rooms with nice high ceilings. Go into a cathedral. Wow. And you got all, all of a sudden you got space. You got space. Right? Beliefs are the same thing. Beliefs are the same. They can hem you in like a really low ceiling and you're going to dodge because the fan's going to get you. Right? Or they can lift you up and give you space. You walk in and you go, holy moly, look at this place. Right? And it might not seem like it, but ultimately it's a choice. You're either choosing to step into a cathedral or you're choosing to step into a bloody dungeon with no lights, a ceiling you're going to bang your head on, and no view. Which one do you want? I know which one I want, right? Think about this stuff. Think about this stuff. Okay, where are we now? I've lost track. Let's go 100 easy. 100 easy. Look at the day. It's beautiful. Look, look at the sky. There's no ceiling. And that's where I left it. I think that was a, enough of a, an appeal to the group for one morning. Um, but it got me thinking. It was a very interesting session, um, uh, an inciting incident, actually, uh, one that really made me think about my coaching um, on a level other than simply working physically, the mental level, the self-perception level, those levels that really coaches and the manuals of coaching really don't talk about. Because the truth is, when it comes to performance, self-image is crucial. Athletes are only ever going to achieve a level that conforms perfectly with their self-image. I mean, you can ask any coach in any sport, and they'll tell you endless stories of the kids they've worked with who were awesome at training, but average or worse on race day. You know, the sympathy-inducing choker. You know, on the flip side, there's the athlete who trains half-heartedly, turns up twice a week if you're lucky, is inconsistent with their effort and application, when they do train and, and then they rock up and blow everyone away at the major competition each season, the aggravating racer, the, the athlete who undoes your messaging about hard work gets results, <laughs> give me a racer any day. Now, logically, it doesn't make any sense. How is it that a diligent, hard-working athlete who trains well 
and does everything you ask for can step up on the blocks to race and they tank time after time. While the racer, who does one-tenth the work the choker does, always manages to pull something out of the bag. Where's the linear relationship between the amount and quality of training with results at competition? The hard, brutal truth is that swimming a million meters, hitting the gym to get stronger, enduring max heart rate work is not, by itself, enough to break through a limiting belief. An individual's self-image has been a lifetime in the making, and it's an immensely powerful force, positive and negative. And either way, it will trump the training. It can stop a hard worker from achieving, or it can give the lackadaisical racer the boost she needs to win. But nobody's thinking or talking about this stuff because it's operating sneakily so many layers underground. And that's why I jumped on the group just now, giving them a hard time about them getting what they expect. As a coach, I'm, I'm proud of my group. My team, they train hard. They swim up to 6,000 meters a session, as often as eight times a week. Um, they're physically fit and generally pretty tough for an age group squad. But I've realized that I haven't been doing a good enough job of teaching my athletes how to maximize the benefit of the work that they're doing on a mental level. The training has been challenging them physically, but psychologically, a lot of it's been wasted. Being teenagers, they swim as train, they get the set done, and then as soon as a session is finished, they're laughing and messing around with each other, and the work they've done is as good as forgotten. They might be tired, and, and their bodies are busy adapting, but those deep-seated beliefs remain like some kind of massive dragon in a cave, stubbornly unchanged. The self-image hasn't even raised an eyebrow. So working hard clearly isn't enough. We need to work with intention and perspicacity. So what to do? How do we make the dragon stir? Well, first things first, uh, we need to reach the cave. My swimmers need to start thinking about the power of their beliefs. We need to start talking about the idea that our results might be tied to our expectations and the way we see ourselves deep down. And we need to start considering that although it doesn't feel that way, those beliefs that we have about ourselves are largely habits and that it's possible to start tweaking them. And once I've managed to get the group to buy into that idea, the next step is to consciously start applying the good work they're doing in the pool and in the gym to that self-image, to their beliefs. I'm going to call that linking. We need to link the physical work we're doing to the mental construct that is their self-image. And I'm hoping that repeated linking will start to transform a negative self-view into a better one and will turbocharge a positive self-view into a stellar one. I'm going to think of it as a process of packing up the truck and moving out of the dingy bedsit into the beautiful mansion with the stunning ocean views. So having introduced my group of swimmers to the idea that their self-belief, that their deeply seated views of themselves as athletes are having such a massive impact on their performance. We're going to move forward by exploring ways in which we can begin to edit those ideas through the work that we do. I hope you've enjoyed today's session and that you stick around and keep us company as we leave no stone unturned in helping these young athletes fulfill their potential and achieve their goals. It was a pleasure walking the deck with you. 